Welcome back to another episode of the Unapologetic Pod. This week, we'll be going over the Week 10 slate of football games from top to bottom. Lots of action, lots of upsets, close games, blowouts, you name it. And at the end of the show, we're going to break down the game tonight between the Rams and the 49ers and maybe give you some tips to help you get that Monday miracle win in fantasy football. And here we go. Welcome back to another spectacular episode of the Unapologetic Pod. My name is Logan Perry, along with Mason Scheele and Andrew Johnson. And today we have another amazing episode to talk about with you guys. Filling in all of the Week 10 slates, minus Sunday night football going on right now and Monday night tomorrow. Yeah, we'll talk about the Sunday night game and then the Monday night game later at the show after we break down what has happened in the afternoon of Sunday football, including Thursday night football. And... Man, we had a lot of upsets, a lot of teams that really surprised us, I would say. Yeah, no, there was definitely a couple games out there that shocked us. Notably, if we want to just go right into it, the Thursday night game with the Baltimore Ravens traveling to Miami and getting upset by the Miami Dolphins. That's certainly something no one expected. No, no kidding. And, I mean, for Baltimore, they were 6-2 and two looking to just get an easy win on Thursday. But... Miami's defense really stepped up, like big, real big. Oh, for sure. They were able to get a pick off Lamar and also had a fumble return for a touchdown. This defense was able to excel off turnovers the last couple of years. That's what made them a top defense, so it's definitely good to see them get back to their old ways against a very good opponent. It might be something to look forward to, even though it looks like a little too much too late as they're 3-7 and seven right now. Yeah, no, I for the Dolphins, I mean go for it keep upsetting those big teams but uh the Baltimore Ravens they honestly until they scored that touchdown in the fourth quarter they couldn't put a real drive like an actual complete drive together that whole game yeah no they were never able to get a drive over 60 yards the entire game until nine plays 99 yards at near the end of the fourth quarter to get their first touchdown of the game other than that it was a very boring game for them one thing I want to say that I kind of took away from this game is kind of a question for both of you. Do you think that the AFC North is just kind of a fraud division? I don't think it's necessarily a fraudulent division. I think a more fraudulent division would be the NFC East we've seen of the past where they are mediocre teams that had those all those 500 records, whereas these are all good teams that just happen to have to play each other twice a year. You know, I would actually have to disagree with you. Um, personally... I'm not going to get into it now, but, like, the Browns are dead to me. That's all I'm going to say. The Browns are now dead to me. I, I have no faith in Baker, like, just like you now. No, that's fraud. That fraud teams. Steelers, pretty good. we we don't even got to say what the Steelers are. Like, how are they not frauds if you watch football this week? That's another one. And then if you look at the Bengals, you see they're on a two-game losing streak. I have losing, lost to the Jets, Bears, Packers, and Browns. Like a brown, a Browns team that is also fraudulent. Like the only one that I really see doing any damage in any sort of playoff position would definitely be the Ravens. Like granted, like we just broke down, they're not. They didn't look good, I guess per se on Thursday, and I think the Dolphins definitely stole a win. But I would say 
I trust them more than any other team. The only problem, yes, the Ravens definitely have the best chance of making a playoff push or making playoffs in general out of any of the teams in this division. The only problem I've had with the Ravens this year, if you're going down that path of fraudulent, is the fact that they've had to have, what, three or four fourth-quarter comebacks to win just this year. And they're down the whole game this this last week, and they weren't able to get the comeback that they were able to do so often this season. And, you know, honestly, looking back at a different angle – if you look at the division, I mean, we are saying fraud teams, but like Cincinnati's over 500, Cleveland's 500. And then you look at Pittsburgh, they're at a 600 win percentage, 5 3 and 1. And then Baltimore, 6 and 3. Like, they all play each other very close. And I think a lot of their losses kind of all seem like they all fit the path, like as an AFC North like loss, like the Jets on the Bengals. The Browns just... It's like trap games almost. Yeah. Like, that's just like... I feel like that's always set up in this division. We have seen it, I think, in every team, I would have to say. Looking at the... I mean, Baltimore, Miami, Bengals, Jets, and then Steelers, what they did this week, and then Browns, kind of what they did this week, too, just showing what those teams are right now in this current state. But back to the, like, breakdown of the games... Yeah, we'll just end it with, like, Baltimore really underperformed and Miami stole another one at Miami, which, honestly, personally, I do think that might have been a factor. We see teams all the time losing Miami because of how hot it gets. True. The Patriots always seem to stumble back when Brady was there. They always seem to stumble late in the season in Miami. Exactly, dude. And what happened? We lost to Miami already. I don't know if it was at Miami. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know besides if that the one fact, was. But. It's still a very hard environment to play when some teams really don't prepare for it. But, yeah, the Dolphins stole one. I, we don't see that. I, I mean, I personally don't see the Dolphins going anywhere. No. Tua didn't play good. I mean, he didn't play bad. He just – they Brissett and Tua, their stats are almost identical, uh, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. And then Gaskins didn't really perform – but neither did Lamar and his pass game, so shout out to the Dolphins. But besides the fact, congrats, Dolphins. Let's go on to the Sunday slate, which a lot of early afternoon games that kind of kind of made you surprised about the score lines. At least I would say. Yeah, no. Uh, the Cowboys and Falcons played each other last year at the beginning of the season. That was a really high-scoring, crazy offensive game. And the Cowboys were able to live up to that again this week, but the Falcons were not. The Cowboys blew out the Falcons 43-3 to at home, and they looked absolutely dominant on every facet of the game. Offense, defense, and running, passing, they literally didn't miss a beat in any category today. And granted, it was 36 to three at halftime so yes. the cowboys definitely they they let off the gas at halftime but it was still an absolute dominating performance without a doubt <laughs> yeah and you know cd had a great game Dak played very efficient the falcons which is i i don't know what happened to them i really don't i mean dan quinn granted now that he's the defensive coordinator Maybe he had a there like you think that was a 
You you think it, you, maybe it had a little bit to do with that, but you got to realize it's a whole new coaching regimen in Atlanta now, so he wouldn't really know exactly what they're going to be doing on offense and defense anymore. But I certainly think it fueled hit him wanting to pummel the Falcons without a doubt. Yeah, and that was for sure. If you looked at Matt Ryan from a fantasy standpoint, he had zero points today. Zero points, two picks, 117 yards, and got sacked twice. Cordero Patterson had a terrible game, only four carries for 25 yards, and then one reception yeah, for 14 Wayne yards. Yeah, Wayne Gallman gained 15 carries. Yeah, crazy for that. Unexpected, but Kyle Pitts was only the one that could give you double digits in a fantasy per- perspective. But then looking at the Cowboys, you'll see everyone, almost everyone, yeah. gave you some fantasy value. Zeke, two touchdowns. Dak, two touchdowns, or three touchdowns because he rushed one in. CD, two touchdowns, almost 100 yards. Amari Cooper, 50 yards, four targets. Kind of iffy. Yeah, even Pollard ran it 11 times and had six catches, so he was even viable as a running back too, easily. Oh, yeah, that's 15 points this uh, week that he just put up. But, yeah, no, the Cowboys rolled into him, and uh, I didn't sell my stock on – buying in that the Cowboys were going to be a really good team, and I believe in them. And I think they just shut up all the haters and was like, hey, that Broncos game was a fluke. Do you disagree? I Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that. I thought that they're still a very good football team, that the Broncos are just able to get them in a trap game with a good defense that week. Who was that? I did not was see. Was no it? Way. No, Renfro's on the field right there. Who was that? Okay, sorry. We just saw a dude just get carted off. I'll he had a captain. Out. He had a captain patch on for the Raiders. I'll figure it out. 45, I think. Oh, but Alec Ingold? Maybe. I don't know. Mason's looking right now. But we'll get that answer soon. But going back to it, yeah, the Cowboys are going to be a good team. And I think we both agree that they definitely shut up all the haters. And speaking of shutting up all the haters, I think this next team is also doing the same thing as we're talking about the Saints at the Tennessee Titans. And I would say close game for sure. The box score surprised me. The Titans won 23-21. I honestly, I'm surprised. But let me tell you right now, Tennessee Titans are a sneaky 8-2 and two team. Like, I feel like they're flying under the radar of a lot, like a lot of people. Like... Yeah, they're a very quiet 8-2 team that no one's really talking about other than they beat the Rams last week, which was a very big statement for them that no one really, I didn't think of much this week personally as I had the Saints taking this game, but I also thought Alvin Kamara was going to be playing and when I took them this week. But that's besides the point that the Tennessee Titans are a good football team. No, they are, and uh, I think it's showing that Tannehill, like, Shout out, shout out to you because you fuck with Tannehill and I know you like him and think he's a good quarterback. Beginning of the season, they rode Derrick Henry, so Tannehill really didn't get the shine and like didn't put those stats up. But now when he has to, he's proven that he can get it, the job done. He doesn't really make mistakes, and I would say he's a pretty efficient quarterback, at least in this offense. Yeah, I was watching something on Sun, or the NFL Sunday, um, what, you, what you want to say, with Randy Moss and Matt, Matt Hasselback this morning before the games, and they were talking about how when they had Marcus Mariota on that team, they ran a lot of quarterback-designed runs, 
and it worked very well for them back then and that they're starting to finally integrate those again except last week they're just missing a lot of the blocks because they weren't able they didn't run these plays often so they didn't really know their assignments that well and this week you saw that exact same thing as Ryan Tannehill scored a touchdown and he only had five rushes for a yard but they tried to integrate it a little bit more and they also ran a little bit of wildcat too that with that same stuff so that might be something you see the Titans doing from now on. I also think a really good thing for the Titans going forward is without Derrick Henry, using him in the passing game was something they've done a lot with play-action passes because when you have a running back that's such an asset like that, having that option is huge because it opens up an entire different section of your playbook. Um, and I think it's really good that the Titans are – I mean, Adrian Peterson, shout out. That dude's still kicking. Um, but – I think it's really good for the Titans that even without Derrick Henry, they were Tannehill, like you were saying, I'm high on him too. He was very efficient, like you were saying, made good passes, made good reads. They ran the Wildcat. It's, I think, a really good sign for them going forward. I think they're a team that can definitely go down um, and shake things up down the stretch um, just because of the reaction to losing Henry and the ad- adaptations they made on their offense to still be efficient. I feel like we should also mention Julio Jones got put on IR this week, too. Yeah, and I think the scariest part, I'm just going to wrap it up here. Their best player on offense, A.J. Brown, he did – look what he did today. He had one catch for 16 yards. Yeah, he I wasn't mean, even efficient. Seven, and they still got the job done. Versus Saints team, like, sure, you can, like, say whatever you want about Trevor Simeon. Like, he didn't play bad today. He almost had 300 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. The Saints are obviously another well-coached team, too. That's the thing, you know? So the Titans, I I would say, got a win against a good team, in my opinion, and their best player wasn't even efficient, which is kind of scary. And I would just say look out for the Titans. I think, honestly, they can make a deep run. Yeah, I can definitely see them shaking things up as they have in the last past past couple years going to an AFC title game at one point. But – Enough about them. They're a good team. We're going to be talking about them more more and more as the season goes on, I think, as they're able to overcome the Derrick Henry injury. But on to the next game, which is the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Indianapolis Colts, which the Colts took that game 23-17. to The first thing I got to say is that Jonathan Taylor had an amazing first quarter. He ran for 60 yards on their first drive alone. He had 90 yards and a touchdown. By the end of the first quarter, I mean, it looked like they're gonna absolutely beat the crap out of the Jags. They're up 17 to nothing, or sorry, 17 to six at the end of the first quarter, and then all of a sudden it's only 23 to 17. JT had all, 80 yeah. had 80 yards in the first quarter on six carries, and then he had 15 carries for 30 yards the rest of the rest of the game. What all happened? of a sudden, all of a sudden, Jacksonville kind of claws their way in. They're, they're not. Like they don't have a great system going for offense. That's very clear as. Trevor Lawrence hasn't ever really had an efficient game yet in his young career. But the defense, they kick, man. They, they're not very good. They're not necessarily well coached, but they have a lot of fucking heart. I can say that for sure as they're not a good unit and they're still willing to put up with this. They're pretty good offense, I would say, in the Colts the last couple weeks really coming around. Yeah, you know, it kind of sucks to see him lose this game. I mean, I don't think personally, as we said last week or last episode, the Colts need Can't this game. Lose this, yeah. If they want any dreams in the playoffs, so and they proved this right. But like, it was a little too close from uh, like for comfort. I would say if you're a Colts fan, like 
Those are games you should be winning. It's slightly alarming as what happened the last three quarters. Why did you score 17 and then you could only get muster six points the rest of the game? That's just something you'll have to look at this week in the film room as a team and try and figure out going into your next game, though. Yeah, uh, I mean, on that, like, I guess we'll keep an eye out on the Colts. The Jaguars, you know. They're a sneaky team. They're not, yeah. they're not good, but they definitely fight. No, you can see that, like, Urban Meyer's offense is kind of getting settled in with the team, and they've definitely been looking more efficient in the last two to three weeks for sure. And the thing I'd be obviously keep watching on is Trevor Lawrence, see how he goes. We'll see how this offense turns about. It's like it's not good. It's no turnovers this week, though, no. so that's one positive for he that He did offense. lose a fumble. Okay, lost a fumble, but, hey, no picks. He's was leading the league at one point, I know there. Fair enough with that, but, like, we'll keep an eye on the Colts. And then for the next game. It's your team. <sighs> All right, I'm sorry in advance. Like, I'm just going to – I might be a homer on a team right here, but, like – I'll take a back seat. Go ahead. You can – I might be a homer on a team because they're my favorite team, but, like, watch out. And I'm talking about the Patriots versus the Browns. 45-7. to 45-7, seven. to seven. yes, 45-7. to seven. The Patriots defeated the Browns 45-7. to seven. Mac Jones, actually, you know, before we go on the stats, the first thing I want to say is, like, I'm done saying the Patriots are going to be, like, bad. Like, Mac Jones is that dude. We don't. We haven't seen a rookie, like, been, like, very consistent this season. But, like, as you see, the Patriots have won four in a row. And Mac Jones is just looking better and better in every game. And, honestly, his stat line, you could put it up against any of the best stat lines this week for sure. 200 yards, three tutties. They've, he played really efficient, and I really think they're a real team. Not even talking about the defense either. Yeah, you haven't even brought up their defense yet, but Mac Jones, they're being very smart and meticulous about how they're bringing him along. They're doing very similar things as they did to Brady with him. A stat I saw before the game today in some article was Brady had 56 completions in the first nine weeks to running backs because there was a safety valve going, throwing screen passes. Mac Jones has 57 completions to running backs through the first nine weeks, and they're running exact same routes and patterns as they were 20 years ago. It's incredible watching it, and I think it's very smart what they're doing with him. It's, they're letting the game come to him so easily, and they're turning him from a game manager into a game changer. Right before our eyes, he only had four incompletions and three touchdowns today. Exactly, like... You can't really get much better than that. He honestly would have probably had another one, but they put Brian Hoyer in. And he had a perfect passer rating and threw a touchdown himself. Exactly. And there's just a lot of people on the Patriots I just want to shout out. Ramondre Stevenson, having Damian Harris out, you know, he proved himself fat in the preseason, like insane numbers. He had four touchdowns, almost 400 yards through the whole preseason. Got a roster spot, and, like, he's definitely proven himself. 20 carries, 100 yards, and two tutties. Kendrick Bourne, he did it on the air and on the ground. He had 43 rushing yards, 98 receiving yards, and a tutty. And shout out Jacoby Meyer, You cannot Meyer, forget bro. Jacoby Meyer. I can't forget Jacoby. The, my favorite. This is my player of the week for sure. Longest streak ever of a wide receiver not catching a touchdown in the games he played. Ever in NFL I'm history. Sure, yeah, this was his first touchdown ever, right? Ever. Yes. So it was just awesome to see. I, wa- I wish Mac Jones threw it to him, but it was Brian Hoyer in the fourth quarter. But anyways, like. Bill didn't give a shit about this game. Like, he wanted to lay a beating at home. And honestly, to me, all they did was today was just beat on a shit team that's really not that good. 
I'm sorry. Baker sucks. I, I hate to say it. I was just shocked because their defense had been the thing that's been carrying them through this whole season, and all of a sudden that just blew away because you can say, yeah, they only scored seven points because they haven't had Kareem Hunt. They didn't have Nick Chubb this game, but also giving up 45 is inexcusable. No, it is, especially when you still have the Jadavion Clowney and Miles Garrett on the line. Granted, Garrett did have a sack, but other than that, like, the Patriots defense ate today. Kyle Duggar, shout out our second round pick from our first round pick from like a D two or three school two years ago. Got a pick. And then the sacks, man, like Matthew Judon is insane. And Kyle Vantnoy getting a sack, all these people getting a sack, like they had six, five of them. They just ate today, and the Browns just they, – they didn't look good. I'm sorry. And personally, you throw in Nick Chubb for that game or Kareem Hunt, granted they're, they were both out for this game, I don't think the score really changes that much. I hate to say no, it. No, you give them seven more, maybe ten points, make it a 17-45 to 45 game, and maybe they get one less touchdown with a little bit of possession change, but it's still going to be a 20-point win. Yeah, like – they their best thing the Browns can do is obviously run because Baker clearly isn't good. You know, as much as I don't like Baker, it does suck to see him left. He left in the third quarter because of a knee injury, which kind of sucks. But he didn't look good. Seventy three yards, a touchdown, and a pick, sack twice, fifty six point three rating. Yeah, I'm done like giving Baker a chance. I just don't really think he's that good. Um, one thing I just kind of want to say to a little, I guess, wrap it up about the Patriots. Um, I just want to shout out, you know, what I think is going to make them a really scary team going forward is their chemistry. Because if you saw when Meyer caught that first touchdown pass, how many dudes from the team, from the sidelines on the offense came over and just swarmed them like that, that there's not a lot of teams. I don't think in the NFL that have that kind of almost a family attitude. It looked like where everyone was happy for him. Everyone came over and it just it makes you realize how much those guys are playing not only for themselves but for each other and for their coach and what really could make them go really deep in the playoffs. Um, I also would say, like, there's not many systems or, like, non-communication in, like, locker rooms than the Patriots. They really keep a tight-knit, very, like, I, I would say business, very business. Like, yeah, they, they have a very big business approach to the game of football. It's like this is just another week. Like we're With hard discipline, too. Oh, like, yeah. It doesn't matter if you're the best uh, running back on that team. You fumble in the first quarter, good luck finding the ball. Like, that's Bill. And that's the discipline they have, and, like, they're very good. And like I said when we were watching this game, this defense right now reminds me of when we beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. Like, our defense was one of the best in the league. And – I'm not, like, I hate to say it if people hate the Patriots, but Patriots got one of the best defenses in the league right now. And their offense is only blooming more and more in their four-game win streak. And then, can't wait the Thursday night game. We play the Falcons. Shout out. I think that's a must-win for us. Oh, yeah. That, that's <laughs> another one of those what you want so-called trap games that there's no way you should lose that game, hopefully. Yeah. And uh, shout out, actually, a Thursday night game. But, like, I'm down to watch. So, that'll be interesting. It's like one of the only three, I would say. But other than that, like we said it beginning of the show, we think the Browns are frauds. And I don't know where they go for, especially with the running game and Baker on injury. We'll just have to see. And then the next game, which? The Buffalo Bills versus the New York Jets. 
Now, it's definitely good to see the Buffalo Bills right their ship this week against the New York Jets as they took a loss 9-6 to against the Jags last week. Seeing them win 45-17 to in Jersey against the New York Jets was definitely a good sign to see them going forward as they are a good football team. They proved it once again that they are who they are. They're a team that's probably you could see in the AFC title game. Yeah, I mean, they've had some bad losses, granted, but like, Dude, like, they're a really good team, and they obviously finally showed that against the Jets, yes. But, like, before we get into this, like, I'm sorry that I said fuck you know about Mike White because all I know about him, like, he's a bad quarterback. He's not a good quarterback. He's I terrible. Mean, he, he threw for 250 yards but four picks today. Like, that's oh. – <laughs> That's terrible, dude. But he ain't good. Other than that, Josh Allen, he played great. Almost 400 yards, two touchdowns. He did throw a pick. But you know what? He did play good. The whole team played good. Finally, he had his connection with Stephon Diggs. Come back this yeah, week. Eight catches, out. 162 yards, and a touchdown. Shout They're looking like last year. Shout out all those Stephon Diggs owners. He's finally going crazy now. I need it. And then the run game, they had four touchdowns on the ground, four different people scoring. Devin Singletary, Matt Burita, Zach Moss, and Isaiah McKenzie. A lot of variety on there, I would say. Yeah, all of a sudden, I don't know why they had Matt Burita playing so much today, but he was taking a lot of snaps over Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. And, I mean, he performed averaging nine yards a carry. I mean, only three carries, 28 yards, but still what an interesting choice for them to do. And had a touchdown in the air. He caught one. He caught well. one as yeah. well. No kidding. What what a weird thing to do as Zach Moss has had almost the most red zone touchdowns this year as a running back, and Devin Singletary is a very good back catching the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, we'll have to monitor that. I just don't – I've never liked the Bills running back core. I don't, it's never been good no, by any means. There's never, like, a defined one. But going back to the Jets, I mean, hey, it's nice to see Elijah Moore again score again. Like, he's had two or three very consistent weeks. Corey Davis – even Some, with Corey Davis back this week, he was gone yeah. the last two weeks when Elijah Moore was doing good. And Corey Davis would give you 14 points in a PPR, which is probably more than you would expect. Uh, Michael Carter looked good. He had four catches, 43 yards in the air, and then 39 and a touchdown on the ground. He played good. There's some value in the Jets, but it's like even when they do play bad, but I don't know. I think it'll be better once they get Zach Wilson back and maybe they can get a little bit of a flow back with their – second overall pick that's supposed to be their future not mike white yeah yeah i agree 100 percent um but other than that the bills it's good to see them bounce back and then the jets they're just gonna be the jets to be honest with you that's about it and then the next game what is our next game it's detroit and pittsburgh oh, oh boy what a pooper you, you want to take this one i think leslie wants to take it oh. i should have said mason but i have I don't even know what to say about this game, dude. It was – it honestly, in overtime, it looked like both teams were trying to lose. It was, like, one of the worst performances I've ever seen on the football field. It was – I mean, you had a you had Deontay Johnson catch a pass over the middle and go for, like, 40 yards and then get stripped. And then you saw the Lions go out on the field and then fumble. And then the Steelers turned around, went down the field, and punted. And then they – it was just – Tragic is the one word I can think of. You got your one word's tragic. My one word, grimy. This was a grimy ass game, dude. This not anything really going on offense. Jared Goff, one hundred fourteen yards. That's all he had. No picks, no touchdowns. One hundred fourteen yards. 
But then you look at both the running backs, and they're grinding out in a grimy game. 130 yards for DeAndre Swift and 105 yards at Najee Harris, both getting more than 25 carries each. So this was a hard-fought game, and Mason Rudolph also didn't do too well. Like, throwing one touchdown and a pick, 30 for 52. Like, that's crazy. 30 for 50, and then Najee has 26 carries. That's a grimy-ass game. Yeah, they were rifling through plays this game. And the only thing I took away from this whole entire game was ever since they changed the OT rules, um, you know, first score wins entirely to it has to be a touchdown to win right off the bat, it's like overtime lasts forever now is all I think about every single overtime game is I think of nobly when – the Cardinals beat the Packers in the playoffs about four years ago, and Larry Fitz had that super long catch against them. Overtime was over like that, dude. But now you see every overtime going until the very end with a winning field goal or it goes to a tie or two minutes left when it's a 10-minute quarter. Yeah, it. I agree. It just makes it last forever, and it, it just gets I mean, shout out if you have a player on a fantasy team, though, and he's getting, like... Oh, it like, definitely helps you for fantasy. Extra <laughs> catches. Like, I know Amon Ross St. Brown. I had, I had a bad week. I was down bad. He got me a couple points just from getting catches. Um, so that was... Shout out to him on that one. But I also wanted to just... I love Dan Campbell. Let me start this little tirade by saying that. I think he is a great guy. But in the third and fourth quarter, they were running the ball just nonstop. I, it, was, it was like third and 15, and... Uh, Jared Goff would line up in the shotgun, and I'd be like, okay, this is going to be a draw. And it was a draw to DeAndre Swift. And then the next play, if they got the first down, was a power or an in or whatever. It was just you knew exactly what they were going to do before they even did it. And it was there was almost no creativity on the offensive front, it seemed like. And I, I heard that Jared Goff was dealing with a lower back issue in between drives. Like he was a little shaken up, I guess. Um, but, I mean – if you're going to run the ball that much, at least try a play action. Like, they did one over the middle to Amon Ross St. Brown, and he got a good good thing, and that was, like, the only time I saw him throw the ball. I personally think, like, you could credit that to probably the Steelers' defense as well. They do really have a strong defense. And as much as we look at the stat lines, they had so many drop picks. Like, overtime was such a shit show. There was three different fumbles. Like... The game was just grimy, disgusting, not fun to watch for either side. I guess for the Lions, you're close the whole way through. And shout out that field goal that they actually could have won on, and he just shanks it, not even blocked. Like, just one of the worst field goal kicks. Like That's just uh, a Detroit Lions kind of play, yeah. if you ask me. No, for sure. Um, other than that, like, hey, Steelers, you were at home too. Like, come on. You, you have to win this, this game. game. You, it's the Lions. They haven't won a game yet this year. The Steelers also have only two two or three more home games left in the season. They've already played six at home. So you think they their schedule's it's only, only going to get harder. Get, exactly. And this was a game they needed to steal. They needed to take, not even steal. This was given to them at home against the Lions, and they choked it. So we'll have to keep an eye on them. I still think they are a good football team, very sound, defensively sound. Their offense looked lost without Big Ben, I would have to say. He's definitely like... They're, it, they're a bad offense with Big Ben. They're an absolutely horrendous offense without exactly. Big Ben. Exactly. Like, I was I was about to say, like, even how bad Big Ben is, like, 
it just shows how much he means to the team. Yeah, they they at least still have chemistry, and he knows what the, he's doing with that team. Yeah, I think they easily win that game with Big, Big Ben for sure, 100%. But, yeah, tragic for the Steelers. But we can go to the next game. Yeah, no, the next game would be the Washington football team and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending champs losing in the rematch of the wildcard game last year, the Washington football team winning the game 29-19 to and picking off Tom Brady twice on their first two possessions, I believe, correct? We're just going to call this game the Heineke revenge game at this point. Fuck you know about Taylor Heineke. He, he was so motivated through this game and, like, they played really well in the fourth quarter. Very smart, too, the moves they made. Kneeling when they were up by seven. Or they were up by nine? I think it was nine, yes. They kneeled, so if it got blocked or, like, picked off if they went for two, they would have got two points and been down by six or seven. So they played really smart. Yeah, it no, was kind of crazy. It was high IQ gameplay at the very end of this game when they were trying to methodically stay ahead of the defending champs because, come on, they, they could definitely score in two plays with that offense easily, and that's what you're afraid of if you're Washington where your defense has been shaky all year except while you're riding hot in this game. Yeah, and, like, the Bucks defense didn't play terrible, like, throughout the – until, like, the fourth, third, fourth quarter – Gibson and the whole rushing defense or offense for the football team had nothing. They had like a total of 20 yards on the ground. Heineke got sacked five different times. Like they got to him. They did apply pressure, but it just wasn't enough, dude. And shout out to the football team's defense. Like, hey, they came around. They're back. They're looking sort of like they were last year. And another thing we just want to shout out it sucks to see Chase Young go out, dude. It's definitely not good to see him going out with it looks like a torn ACL. I believe they already confirmed it was a torn ACL. Burrow, Chase Young, both out. Yep, the top two picks. Consecutive years, too. It just sucks. And and almost at the same time, I think Baker or Burrow got injured like week seven or eight, somewhere around there last year. And we're in week 10 now, very similar time frame. It's very sad to see superstars going down, young superstars, especially in our league, because. He definitely is already considered a superstar because you won't ever say he has a bad game. You're just waiting to see his good games. Yeah, like, it just sucks. Hopefully it doesn't hamper on his future. But Antonio Gibson, hey, 24 carries, 64 yards, two tutties. He played pretty well in the fourth quarter. Definitely helped them. The football team, like, they won this game because they were smart and very methodical in their plays. Like, you look at their last drive to seal the game when they went up by seven. That drive was, yeah, 10 minutes. Yeah, 10 minutes and 29 seconds. They got the ball at 10.55 and milked it down to 29 seconds. That's just a good, well-coached football team right there, if you ask me. By far the best drive, 19 plays. You don't hear about that ever anymore in the NFL. It's incredible. (sighs) That defense must have been sucking it. Oh, I would be absolutely on my hands and knees. Probably the ninth play there. Yeah. Uh, But, hey, shout out to the football team. You played smart and you beat a team like that. Maybe we could see the football team gain momentum, win a couple games, go on a win streak. Probably not. We'll see, though. You never know. And Bucks, like, you got to win this game. You really do. So, we'll definitely look, I guess, monitor the Bucks. They're, I don't think they're in any position that's 
bad for they're still at top. Yeah, no, that that division they still got two games on the next closest team in the Carolina Panthers and Saints being tied as the next closest team to them, so I wouldn't be concerned. No, and then we can go into the afternoon slate, correct? I think the late afternoon. Yes, yeah, no, the next game, yep, the Carolina Panthers and Arizona Cardinals were part of what kicked off the late afternoon game slate. I'm back. Shout out my boy Cam. Getting an unsportsmanlike conduct after a two-yard rushing touchdown. Hey, he was able to get a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown back in limited roles from his first game back for the Carolina Panthers, as it's very exciting to see Superman back with his old team as to what he had done so much with them beforehand. Yeah, it's also nice to see McCaffrey back. You know, 13 carries, 95 yards. You know, there's also there's some games where I'm just like, hey, is McCaffrey really that good? Like, because you, you haven't seen him, and you kind of compare him to the running backs that are pretty good. He just kind of just solidifies every time he's out on the field that he's always going to produce. You can't even forget he did have 10 catches for 66 yards as well. So he had over 100 scrimmage yards his first full game back. 150. Over 150 then in that point, yeah. yeah. It's incredible what he's able to do when he's healthy and on the field. Yeah, and that's just – it's just insane. Um, definitely the best – it's hard to give me the best running back over Henry, but like – I just want both of them to be healthy so I can get a fair comparison. Going back on that, hey, P.J. Walker didn't play terrible. Um, Robbie Anderson finally woke from the dead, got his touchdown, uh, 37 yards, four catches, got that fu- the, the first touchdown he's had in so many weeks. D.J. Moore kind of kind of iffy there. He He's only had one down. catch, I believe, today, so it's a little bit scary as he popped off the first four weeks of the season, being the number two wide receiver through the first four weeks in fantasy in PPR leagues. So you wonder what's going on with him as he's been slowing down and has been held to single digits three times in the last six weeks. So it's a little bit alarming if you're an owner of DJ Moore, as I am in one league. But, I mean... The Carolina Panthers played amazing in this game. We should be talking about the other team, the 8-2 and two now, Arizona Cardinals. What happened to them? James Conner played tremendous last week, having three total touchdowns, and he only had 10 carries for 39 yards and a touchdown today. Yeah, and granted, they didn't have their two best players, I would have they to say. They didn't last week. True, but they were just more efficient, I guess. The Panthers are a better team than the Niners, I would say, especially now they're at full strength. I mean, not full strength, but Darnold, but... Is Darnold maybe full strength? I don't know. I, I wouldn't even call Darnold full strength anymore. I think I'd call full strength once you get Cam fully back into this lineup. It, seeing what he was able I'm to do. I'm not sold on him. Yeah. Only playing 10 plays and he was able, yes, it was both in the red zone, but he still was able to power his way through and show that 32, he will still be no. Cam for you. Here's the thing. I've been through this train with Cam. He is very efficient in the red zone because, like, even when teams know he's getting the ball, he's still going to produce those. I mean, yeah, he's 6'5", 250. Exactly, and he's good at making short plays. But when it comes to putting a drive together, it's it's hard to watch him put a, put a drive together. It honestly is. But, hey, could prove me wrong now that he's back on the Panthers. Maybe he has more motivation. And they're not a terrible team. They're 5-5 five and five on 500. They're definitely in better shape than when he left as well. If In my perspective of having DJ Moore's – developed and shown that he is that true number one and Robbie Anderson I mean he had a great year last year he's been off to a rocky start this year so there's no reason as to why he wouldn't be a decent player again this year though yeah and 
I think one more thing that we can take away is that I think you might have to be ready to admit this. Christian Kirk is a good play in fantasy. He is. I think that he's definitely a good play recently because the best one of the best wide receivers in football has been out the last couple of weeks. It makes a tremendous difference. He still produces though. Even oh yeah, hands NCAA. down. I'm I'm not denying it at all, and I don't I don't think anything of it. Yes, he is a very good player. He had seven receptions for what was it, seventy five yards today or fifty eight yards. No touchdowns, but yes, he had eight targets today compared to any other receiver. The next closest was six with Zach Ertz. It shows that he is the more focal point of that offense when DeAndre Hopkins isn't in. Yeah, I would have to agree. But other than that, the Cardinals, you know, I'm not going to say anything about this loss because they had their two best players out and for the last two games. And, you know, even going 1-1 one one is a W in my opinion. They're still 8-2 and two in the driver's seat, looking to be a top team in the playoffs come January. But then back to the other games. Now we can go to the which one? And do Vikings Chargers? Yeah. We'll do the Minnesota Vikings at the Los Angeles Chargers. And what the next game, as you said, is the Minnesota Vikings visiting Los Angeles Chargers. As the Vikings won the game 27-20, to 20, it was a lot what we expected. A very close game throughout the whole whole entire game as these teams both play their opponents close to each other as I would say is the way to put it. It was never really in doubt for the Vikings in their perspective, though. I mean, the closest I ever got was the Chargers took a lead in the third quarter, but other than that, they took it back eight minutes later, and they never gave it up as they led almost the whole entire game. Yeah, Kirk with a, another efficient game, almost 300 yards, two, uh, two touchdowns, no picks. Dalvin Cook, almost 100 yards on the ground, 94 with a touchdown. And Justin Jefferson had a monster game, nine receptions, 143. Uh, the Chargers, you know, they did – we kind of all knew this game was going to be close. But you're going to want to see more about out of Herbert and Austin Eckler, I would have to say. Uh, Herbert having one touchdown, one pick, only 195 yards. Eckler, 44 yards on the ground. Granted, he did catch a touchdown pass. But they didn't look anything special, I would have to say. I, I, I don't think they will or did look like anything special. You're saying the Vikings? Chargers. The Chargers, no, they didn't. But the one thing that's confused me is Justin Herbert was the ranked number two quarterback in deep touchdowns last year, and he's only thrown five touchdowns of over 30 yards this year, and that's not at all the pace he was at last year. I'm just trying to figure out is – why wouldn't they go back to what worked with them last year to make him the offensive rookie of the year that made him such a good player as we thought he was going to be this budding superstar? He hasn't really been able to pop off crazy this year other than a couple games with Mike Williams at the beginning of the year. It makes me wonder, like, they're 5-4, and four and we thought they were going to be a good team. It also makes me wonder where is Mike Williams because another week, another. Yep, four catches, 33 I can't start yards, him anymore, No dude. touchdowns. I'm not starting him next week. Unless I have a bye with someone. He, he's but. back to the Mike Williams he was the first three years he was in the league. I mean, he did have a crazy start to this season, but he has those stretches every single season. Yeah. Um, other than that, Dalvin Cook had a good game. As we said, Justin Jefferson, Tyler Conklin, shout out to tight end, putting two tutties. If he's out there on waivers, you might have to monitor him, knowing that tight end positions are also very thin on the really good ones and then really bad ones. But – yeah, other than that, you know, these are good teams. I mean, don't let the 4-5 and five record for the Vikings. I always believe in the Vikings. They're 
a solid team when it comes down to it, and I'm glad they won a game they actually should have won, or I guess needed to win if they wanted. Yeah, no, they were actually yeah. able to do be competitive and win a game where it mattered to them. Like they, it depended on their season. Frankly, already this early, they need a statement. And then we can go to the next game, which was another statement win. I would say the Eagles at the Broncos. Eagles winning thirty to thirteen. Yeah, uh, Jalen Hurts in fantasy has been a tremendous quarterback this year, but he has only been tremendous in the fourth quarter, essentially, this whole season, trying to mount comebacks and be able to play from behind throughout the whole game. This game, he was fighting, you can almost say he's fighting for, to keep his starting job because they're, they're only three and six coming into this game as the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Broncos 30 to 13, and he played a pretty good game, going 16 for 23. 178 yards, two touchdowns, but he did have a pick. But he was able to be more efficient this game, get the ball downfield, and play good against a very good defense that beat the Cowboys last week even. Yeah, you know, I would agree with you. The Eagles definitely did play pretty well against a defense that showed out against the Cowboys a week ago, like you said. But that defense certainly didn't show out today. I mean, they gave up 30 points. And their offense just was super, super boring. Only having one touchdown on the ground with Melvin Gordon. I mean, obviously, Teddy, we all know he doesn't really make mistakes, but he only had 226 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. So it kind of sucks. They did lose a fumble as well, especially at a home game. You know, if they wanted to be like, hey, yeah, we're not that bad of a team, they would have been 6-4 and four if they would have got this one, and people maybe would have been looking at them different, especially at home. They could have took it. But other than that, I really don't have much to say. I think both teams – We'll see. They could maybe maybe make a surprise run, but I'm not really confident on it. Yeah, it's just a tough division for them to be able to make a huge run in as they all had five wins coming into this week in that same division. But enough with that game. Moving on to the last game that we'll be talking about right now for the Slates would be the Seahawks at the Packers. And the Packers winning 17-0. to Yeah, 17-0. to And Seahawks did have Russell Wilson back. They didn't have Chris Carson, but... Russell Wilson didn't look that good. He got sacked three times, two picks, and 161 yards. Only just a 50% completion rate, too. He didn't look good at all. No, he didn't look good at all. It's the first time he's ever been shut out in his entire career, and it's the first time the Seahawks been shut out in 10 seasons. So that's tough for them to see. I mean, they weren't at full strength as they still didn't have Chris Carson back, but they weren't getting shut out with Geno Smith. And, yeah, I wonder what – what happened there? The Packers defense that good, or does is the Seattle Seahawks offense something still wrong? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think the offense is kind of shaky. I mean, we'll see if Russ gets better in the next week. But this was a big game for them. Like they kind of needed to win this game if they wanted to make any run in the playoffs. But they still can. It's just getting later and later and harder and harder at that point. But yeah, the receiving DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett have had better games with Geno Smith under the passing, underpassing it. So it's just kind of confusing. I personally do think Russ will obviously bounce back at some point. But, hey, the Packers' defense was very solid, and I would have to say a lot of that credit goes to that as well. Yeah, no, they are. They were ranked top five in yards per game and points per game coming into this. Even with giving up 38 points in week one, they're still ranked top five in both of those things. So it definitely shows that they've been able to turn their season around, giving up zero points to the Seahawks with Russ coming back. Yeah, something that does suck is Aaron Jones. 
going out. Which it looks like an MCL sprain is what they're saying the early indication is. So it'll be about two to three weeks, maybe potentially a little bit more. So it's not season ending, but it was definitely scary looking at the replays. Yeah, they're getting MRIs on him as soon as possible. So Packers fans will, will know probably by tomorrow or Tuesday for sure if they come back negative, hopefully, or positive, what that would mean going forward with the backfield. And, like, A.J. Dillon definitely filled the shoes, though. Two toddies, 66 yards on the ground, and had 62 yards in receiving. He's definitely going to fill the void and, or fill the running void after having a star running back like Aaron Jones out. And, obviously, if he's on the free agent waiver pickup on fantasy, that's a no-brainer pick. No-brainer. Oh, yeah, no. With how he's been utilized already with Aaron Jones being there, his production is going to go through the roof now as they don't have a really – a number three that I can think of off the top of my head. Other, yeah, no, I can't think of one right now. So he'll definitely be gaining volume for the next couple of weeks for sure to keep their offense balanced that they've been trying to do. Yeah, and the Packers, they didn't look terrible. They didn't look that good, I would say. Rodgers only got sacked once, one pick, 292 yards. Eight, or Devontae Adams, obviously, he's going to put up those numbers. 11 targets, 7 receptions, 78 yards which was nice to see. Um, Packers are obviously going to be really, really good, and shout out that they're undefeated at home. Maybe they'll keep that streak up this season. But, yeah, they're looking strong, and this was a big statement win, I would say, definitely for their defense. But with that, now we can just wrap it up and talk about, I guess, the Sunday night and then preview the Monday night game, and then we'll send you guys off. So going into the Sunday night game, it's uh, halftime right now. Chiefs are up 17-7 on the Raiders. Um, I mean, Chiefs are looking pretty good. kind of seems like the offense is getting back to a little groove. Mahomes playing really, really well right now. 21 for 28, almost 200 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Kelsey's having a huge game too. Seven receptions, 89 yards. No touchdowns. That'll probably change in the second half. Um, no one on the Raiders is really shining very brightly. It's just kind of... Um, I mean, Kenny Drake's leading with four carries, 16 yards, so it doesn't look like their offense is doing very well. Uh, Hunter Renfro, though, two receptions, nine yards, and a touchdown. So, I mean, if he's got, if he's on your fantasy team, that's a good eight points right there, nine points. Yeah, we'll talk about this game next episode, but right now it's 17-7, to and we'd expect the Chiefs to win this one. And then we can break down Monday night game, which we got a divisional matchup in the Rams versus the 49ers. Yeah, so the money line op right now is negative 200 Rams and plus 170 for the 49ers. And, oh, wait, never mind. It has changed to negative 180 for the Rams and plus 155 for the 49ers with the spread at 3.5 points in favor of the Rams. Two things to take away from this is it always sucks to see a player go down with injuries such as Robert Woods, who is a very good wide receiver that does all facets of the game as he's a good run blocker as well. But that opens up the somehow ironic signing of OBJ that he the day he's at the facility signing his contract is the day during practice where Robert Woods gets hurt. Everyone's wondering why he chose the Rams when he wanted more targets. That's a more crowded receiving room than... Cleveland, and then all of a sudden Robert Woods goes down. It's like, holy shit, that's perfect. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to say it right now. He's going to be a problem. I think OBJ is really going to bloom in that offense now that Robert Woods is injured, which sucks. We don't want to obviously praise an injury. But that opens up a spot for 
Odell Beckham, like give him a couple weeks to learn the offense and stuff. But hey, I think he could be a problem, especially with Matt Stafford, who especially very, with Matt Stafford, very pass heavy, and you see what he has done with Cooper Cup this season. Let alone that you saw what OBJ did when he had a veteran as his quarterback for the first couple years in the league, and then he had a new younger quarterback that doesn't always know how to adapt to receivers well and what they like. As Matt Stafford had an interview with NFL with the NFL Network already, where he was saying there was I threw a couple routes to him, and you can just tell by body language where someone's going to be, and he was like, "I'm able to read that off him easily," and that's something a vet knows how to do well. And not even just a vet, we're talking about an MVP front runner right now this season. Matt Stafford, he's playing great, and I think he just Odell Beckham. I hope to God I see a career resurgence in LA, and personally, I think this just fits perfect to him. I think he's a flashy guy. Like, he wants to be an out. L.A. Out. was perfect. Yeah. I really think it is. I think this would be a perfect fit for him. But on the other ha- side, we can talk about the Niners, you know. This I this could this game could surprise me, honestly. I think it will be a lot closer just because they're at home, and the Niners tend to have some grimy-ass games. Granted, they did get blown out by the Cardinals last week without Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins. So they're going to want to bounce back, and we'll have to see. We'll have to see how they play. Yeah, they were on a losing streak before their win against the Bears, as that's been their last, their only win in the last six weeks. So it's been a tough go for the 49ers, as they also had close games with the Lions and others this year. So it's been a tough, grimy season for them so far, but that's nothing new for the 49ers. But you've got to start to wonder if they need to start recycling and re not like not rebuilding but retooling ever since they went to the Super Bowl they haven't been able to stay healthy and they haven't been able to win games and if they can't stay healthy you got to find people that can stay healthy for you yeah no I certainly agree with you the Niners definitely do get screwed on a lot of injuries and that does affect them as a team but you know I think this will be a close game on Monday night you know it's a divisional team they both know each other very well regardless of the records we just know that definitely plays a factor in any football game, any team. So, but yeah, um, some players that might win you a fantasy miracle. I would say Cooper Cup, Stafford, if he goes off. I think a hidden one. I could see Ayuk having a really good game as also well. Also Kittle. Kittle, yeah, Kittle. Also, he's I he he put up like a quiet 100 yards and a touchdown last week. I yeah, that's what I'm saying. It. Like he, no one talked much about him last week, but he had a very sneaky top tight end week last year or last week yeah and we'll see how elijah mitchell is too he's getting the ball more and definitely getting more familiar with the offense and he's been pretty good the last couple weeks they too. do have jeff wilson back from injury this week though so he Whoa. will be getting a little bit more carries they they're almost projected the exact same points for this week in fantasy yeah we'll see how that is i honestly personally think elijah mitchell's definitely a uh, he's definitely the better play yeah. as of recently we've seen he works well in their system yeah i think hopefully they try to make him the primary i mean he's definitely proved it in the last couple weeks but other than that maybe Debo goes crazy cooper cup those two those two guys like to have just blow off games where they just go 30 plus just a quick 30 oh yeah i mean they're number one number two in receiving yards this season so enough said there yeah, that'll be pretty interesting to watch. Yeah, I'm definitely going to tune in. Be the divisional game. Personally, my I'm going to go with my score as, you know, I think the Rams are going to bounce back. They did lose to the Titans, but I don't think it's going to be that easy of a game. I'm going to go Rams 27, Niners 23. Yep, and then the rest of the picks are I've got it Rams 34, 49ers 24. Mason has it Rams 17, 49ers 14. Mitch has it Rams 31, 49ers 13. And Chris has it Rams 35, 
49ers 22. So we all have it the Rams way. Not a big shock there as they are one of the best teams in the league currently. No, yeah, 100%. That's definitely why we picked the Rams, and we all expect them to bounce back, especially they are 4 Hey, they're 4-0 away. The Niners are 0-4 at home. We'll see if one of those streaks break next tomorrow. We'll see <laughs> if that can happen. Uh, but other than that, that's what's going to wrap up this show. We'll see you guys Wednesday, breaking down week 11, and we'll just talk some storylines, I guess, coming into the week as well, see how all the teams shape up after this whole week of football has ended. And, yeah, we'll see you guys Wednesday. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. And, yeah. Love you guys.